Hello and welcome to United's podcast and sermon archives. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at fergusunited.org or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and we hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. So reading 1 Timothy chapter number 1 verse 15 says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. It's kind of a comical phrase to have to read in the Bible. I mean, really, anything you read in Scripture is a trustworthy phrase, but the writer is reiterating to his audience that this is something you can take to the bank. You can count on this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul, the writer, puts a, an addition to the end of that. He says, of whom... I am the worst. Going to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9. Uh, you can follow along in whatever you have on the screen. And what I'm going to read is going to be from the Amplified Version. It says, We are glad when we are weak, since God's power comes freely through us. But you, by comparison, are strong. We also pray for this, that you be made complete And then it goes on to explain what they mean by complete, fully restored, growing and maturing in godly character and spirit, pleasing your heavenly father by the life you live. And Luke chapter five, verses 10 through 11 reads like this. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray one more time. You can be seated. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds today. I pray for myself, Lord, that you would help me to articulate the message that you've laid on my heart in a way that we can all understand and grow from and glean from today have your way in the next few moments lord within our lives change us help us whatever it is that you desire to do today we're open to it in jesus name amen amen from those three passages of scripture i want to preach to us today reclaimed restored and repurposed reclaimed restored and repurposed. Life has a, a way of wearing on us. Every single one of us. Even, even our kids. I, I kind of laughed. It was about the end of the first week of school. And I was working on something on the patio. And Jace, who's usually a limitless supply of energy, was sitting on the swing on the back porch. Just, just sitting there, kind of swaying back and forth. And he said, I just love sitting here on this swing. And what, what was really taking place there was a week of starting school and he started his Taekwondo classes at the same time and all of these extra things that, that exerted his energy, even at six years old, life had a way throughout the week of wearing him down to where the only thing he wanted to do was just relax on a swing. Seasons of sunshine and storms of life work together to weather us physically, mentally, and emotionally. 
It's not just the bad things that take a toll on us. It's, it's even the good moments. We only have so, so much emotion in reserve, so much mental cognizance in reserve. Though we have the ability to renew our souls each day, according to the scripture, many people do not take advantage of this. Some people just, they don't take advantage of this promise that we can be, the inward man can be renewed day by day because they've never been taught. They've never known that. And so we interact with people that have lived day after day after day of life and, and they've never experienced this renewal. They've never experienced that rejuvenation because they don't even know that it's available. So if you can think for a moment from this side of things, knowing that we have access to that and, and being wise enough to tap into it as frequently as we can think of how, how burdened and weary we can become. To think about the individual that does not even know that's available, the weight that they must be carrying, the toll that life must have taken. Others get caught up in the hustle of life, and this, this includes those of us that are in the church, Christians. We find ourselves in the busyness of one day after another and after another, and that's why when we sit back and we try to think of something that happened in the past, and we go, yeah, it was just a couple weeks ago, and, and the more we think about it, we go, well, actually, no, it was, it was a couple months, no, what? well, yeah, that was last year. Because one day just kind of flows into the next. And if we're lucky, we wink a couple times through the night before the next day starts. And if we're not careful, we get caught up in this. And, and we're just doing what life requires. And we fail to tap into that renewal, that, that re-strengthening, revitalization of God. Others get swept away in a flood of negative decisions. And this can be someone that's never known God or someone that's known God and made a decision to walk away and, and they find themselves choosing disobedience over obedience to the Word of God and one thing leads to another and, and now they're, they're so far down current that, they, that they're distanced from the Lord. They don't have access to that refreshing like they used to because they, they've made negative decision after negative decision and they've allowed sin to take them farther than they intended to go. The zeal of youth is deceptive and often convinces us that our resources are limitless. We, we think, man, we can just, we can go all day, all night. We can just do and do and do and do and do. And, and we got it. We've got this under control. But the truth is, in reality, we are pretty finite creatures. You and I, it doesn't take all that much to wear us thin and to break us down. Ask anyone who's lived longer than you and they, they all kind of seem to have the same statement. No matter what phase of life you're in, someone that's lived longer than you can say, Oh, you just wait. You think you're tired now. You, you think you've got some stories now. You think things have, have been rough so far. Oh, you, you just wait. Because life just continues to, to rub like sandpaper on us. James says it well when he says this. He says, Our life is but a vapor. Like blowing out the flame of a candle and just for a moment, you, you see that, that little flicker of smoke and it's here one moment and it's gone the next. And James says that's, that's what our life is like. We, we sit back on this side and we think, man, life is so, so long. Maybe even you're, you're in an elderly stage of life or someone finds themselves there and they think, I have been around for, for so long. Long and James says it's, just, it's, it's, it's like a little puff.
puff of smoke. It's like a vapor that, that doesn't even compare to eternity. It's, it hasn't been that, that long. Left to ourselves without a relationship with God, we find ourselves completely used up. Our resources of hope and energy and faith and wisdom and drive all become completely exhausted. We use them up for our own pleasure. It's, it's more fun to point the finger at everybody else that takes our stuff. But a lot of times we take all of the wonderful resources that God has given us in life and we just consume them for ourselves. And we use them up to please me, to make me happy, to make me feel better, to put a smile on my face, to make me uh, think I have more than the next person. Just, just all about me. And we consume, we consume ourselves for momentary happiness. They're used up by others who have found a way to use them for themselves. Relationships where people become dependent upon you. And, and some of this is it's not all negative. I don't want to paint that picture. But as parents, we have children that are completely dependent upon us. And guess what? It's, it's our responsibility to make sure that they are protected. To make sure that they're provided for emotionally and mentally. To make sure that they're spiritually trained. To make sure they eat every day. But that takes energy. That, that's someone that's relying upon you, and, and that requires something from you. But there are other relationships that we develop through life, and, and with any healthy relationship, there's, there's a give and a take. But that doesn't minimize the effect of, of the give. We're pouring ourselves out. We're, we're giving ourselves away. Too often, and I think even... Lately, it's, it's way more common than it should be, but we find our resources of life being used up by groups whose agenda we've bought into. Political parties, and this group, and that group, and, and all of our emotion, and all of our energy. And, ah! Think about how many conversations you've had about politics in the last two years compared to how many conversations you've had about politics your entire life leading up to that point. I thought about that the other day and I thought how much of my time and my energy and, and, and really my time with other people that I used to have a lot better conversations with has now been consumed by a, a group somewhere that doesn't even know my name, that, that isn't even connected to me. They have nothing. But, but my, my voice sometimes is, is used to further their agenda. And we find ourselves used, used up. Whether it's of our own making, whether it's just life in general, or whether it's, it's sinful decisions, we ultimately can find ourselves empty, feeling useless and worn. Like the prodigal son finds himself in, in the muck with the pigs. That's an interesting turn in that, in that scripture, isn't it? He's out, he's, he's living in a way that he shouldn't be living, he knows that. He's, he's defamed his father's name. He's in all these things that, that he shouldn't have done. He, he's, he's messed up. He's spent all his money. He did all this stuff. And, and so what does he do with himself when he feels like he's completely worn out? He doesn't go find help. He doesn't go back home right away. He, he does the same thing that a lot of people in life do. They say, well, I'm worthless now. I'm trashed. I have nothing left to offer. I'm completely worn out. I'm just going to toss myself in the trash. And, and that mentality existed because he, he literally 
went to a, a pig pen and put himself in the, I'm going to call it muck, because it's not just mud. He laid down in this environment and began to consume some of the most vile things you could think about putting in your mouth. He, he adopted this mentality that he was, completely, he was completely worn out. And people do this all the time. It's not a, a, maybe a physical pig pen, but this is why we, we have communities all across Minnesota. You know what every community in Minnesota has? A couple churches and a couple bars. And there are people in the pig pens of these bars night after night after night after night because they don't feel like they're worth anything else. They're just, they're just going to go sit in the pig pen one more day. They're just going to breathe air in that nasty, vile environment for just a little while longer. And that's just one example. We could, we could go down a list, a, a litany of things that people find themselves given to, even though they know it, it's beneath who they want to be, but... What do they have left to offer? There, there's nothing to them. They're, they're garbage. This is the mindset of, of the people that we interact with. 1 Timothy 1 and 15. I read that in the beginning in the King James. I want to read it again in the International Standard Version because there is a verb there that, that's used as the word save. And that's the proper interpretation. So is this, but it... it puts a little bit of a different spin on it. It says, This is a trustworthy saying that deserves complete acceptance. To this world Messiah came, sinful people to reclaim, and I am the worst of them. Sinful people to reclaim. If I can create in your mind the, the image of, of an old worn down barn. Something that's it's, it's ready to be pushed over or maybe set ablaze. And the boards that are, that are plastered across the side, the ends have rotted out and the nails are, are no longer into any substance. You don't even know how they're holding on there anymore. And somebody comes along and they look at that and they say, I, I want that wood. It rationally doesn't make any sense. What do you mean you want that wood? That wood is, is of no value. It, it's, it's garbage. It's useless. And yet there's somebody who sees something inside of this piece of lumber that, that still has value. And they, they reclaim this, this lumber. They reclaim it. This is a trustworthy saying, the writer says. To this world Messiah came. Sinful people to reclaim. In the, in the middle of, of humanity's messed up situation, when it looked hopeless, and, and in the lives of every individual, we all come to these crossroads and, and we feel like there's, there's no hope. And yet Jesus says, you know what? I, I want that person. Amen. Yeah, that's right. I, I want that. I, I want to claim them. I want to redeem. I want to reclaim. I want to take them to myself. I want to possess that, even though the others say it's worthless, and even though even even within themselves they don't feel like they have anything to offer. That I, I desire to possess them. We've been reclaimed. Thank God that I was reclaimed. Amen. The world had put a claim on me, and different mentalities had put a claim on me, 
And hell thought it had a claim on me. But there was a day when Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm going to put a claim on me. I'm gonna, he's going to be reclaimed. He's not going to be labeled with what he was. And every single one of you have come to that point. I don't care if you grew up in church or not. There came a point in time when Jesus said, you know what? I, I, I claim them. They're mine. They, they belong to me. I'm going to reclaim those individuals. To be reclaimed in our sinful state is an amazing thing. And I'm going to disappoint some people. Jesus is not into shabby chic. As a carpenter, I despise the term shabby chic. It's like taking something that, that's old and just leaving it old and hanging it up and calling it new. That's not what Jesus does. That, that's not how he operates. And I'm so grateful for that. He's not interested in maintaining you in your broken, weathered, or worn out state. That's not how God chooses to interact with us. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 9. When we read it in the Amplified, there, there's uh, some conversation that's taking place in this letter. And they say, listen, we're, we're perfectly fine. There are times that we're weak and God's working through us. But we're happy that you're strong by comparison to us. And, and by the way, we're praying for you. And there's something that we're praying. We're praying that you be made complete. And when we dig into that word complete, it means fully restored. Fully restored. Jesus, like the masterful artist, looks at the fragments of humanity and can see the potential that still lies at the core. He looks at these, these pieces of people that he has reclaimed. He now owns them. And, and he doesn't see what everyone else sees because he can look past the dirt and the grime and the weathered layer and the cracked surface and he can see what's still there, what he originally placed within them. Yeah. Full restoration is a wonderful thing. It is, but, but there's always a, a process. And that process isn't very pleasant. We, we all want to be fully restored, amen? Amen. God, do a work in me. We, we pray things and sometimes we don't really think about what we're praying. Not the process. We're praying for the end, but, but we don't understand the, the means by which God gets us there sometimes. We say, God, do a work in me. God, heal this pain. God, take care of these situations. Lord, bring this out of me. And God says, okay. All right, I, I, you've been reclaimed. And now, now I'm going to start a process and I'm going to restore you. That's what I'm going to do. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to be restored. And then we hear this noise. And it's like a spiritual planer that fires up in the background. And just like a, a, a woodsman or a craftsman would have to take that piece of wood and say, all right, if I'm going to get to the good stuff, I'm going to have to send it through this planer for a little while. Yeah! And stuff's flying one way and the other. And things are being ripped back and torn off. Who's ready to be restored? See, now it doesn't sound so fun, but that's what God's trying to do. And so we go through things in life, and we're like, I don't like this, I don't like what God's doing. God, I thought you were good, I thought you loved me. Why am I dealing with all this stuff, and why is there so much pain? And, and, I, ah! and we're just going through the plan. Come out the other side, we think it's over, and he just walks back around. Time and time again, because he can't do it all at once. It would shatter the brittle piece of wood. If you set that blade down too deep and tried to take off all the weathered material all at once, it would break it to pieces. 
He's got to do it little, little by little. He knows what we can handle. And he just keeps shaving away all the, all the layers that the world has put on us for so long. And, and all the weariness and all that gray, discolored wood that, that's come to the surface from the sunlight beating down on it and the rain pounding against it. And he just keeps layer by layer restoring that piece of wood. That rough and tough weathered exterior has to be planed away. And if we're not careful, we'll grab onto it with everything we have. Because it's that rough and tough weathered exterior that's gotten us through some really hard days. When rot should have set in, it was that that hard exterior that that we put on that kept everybody else out and protected us back then. And so so now now you're telling me I got to let go of that. You don't understand. See, I trust. I trust that exterior. I trust that shell. I put those walls there for a reason. When I when I tear those walls down, other people hurt me. When I tear those walls down, I don't know how to cope and I don't know how to get through life. And and God say, no, I've got to get rid of those. And so we're clinging to those things and God's like, no, no, I'm I'm just going to have to keep running you through. We're just going to have to keep working on this. He just keeps going. The deep gouges and cracks have to be tooled out. And and there's devices that that get down into the knots of that wood and, and they clean it out and they carve it out and they get all the black out and they get all the dirt and the grime that's that's deep down inside those crevices and, and it's been there for a long time and it's got to be filled with something good. That's why you, you live for God for 10 years, you live for God for 5 years, you live for God for 30 years, it doesn't matter. All of a sudden something comes up and, and God starts dealing with something that's been in you the whole time. You're like, God, I thought I was, I thought I was done. No, I, I just couldn't get to that yet. And there's hurts from childhood and, and there's things from the past and there's insecurities that God just starts, He just starts carving them out. He just starts cutting them away and we're not comfortable with that. And it's painful. And, and every time he brings it up, it causes all these emotions to, to wash over us. And we're not sure how to process it. And God's saying, it's okay. You asked for this. I told you I was going to restore you. This is what it's going to take. Because this, this stuff that's in here, it, it's not a part of who I originally created you to be. That pain that, that you swirled away and you just don't deal with anymore, that you've learned to cope with and compartmentalize, that's not a part of who... I created you to be. I've got to get to that and and I've got to remove it in order to restore you like I want to do, like you want me to do. Maybe more of the refining work, all the rough edges have to be sanded down and and made smooth. And And it's a slow process and it starts with a heavy grit. Say, how can somebody be Baptizing the Holy Ghost and swearing on the job site. Just give him a little bit of time. God's got his, he's got his sandpaper out. And then, okay, we smoothed off those edges. But, but when you rub your hand across there, I, I, I still feel some stuff. So what do we do? We get, a, we get a different grip. And we make that a little bit smoother. And there's a refining work that all the way down to a polishing rag. And folks, we're not going to be through until we make it to the other side. The moment we think, yeah, I finally made it. God, He completed. I'm, I'm completely whole. I got it all together. Everything's perfect. You better look out. Because there's probably a gouge or something that the Lord's about to find. 
There's there's still more there. He's still working with us. And he just keeps going because he's he's trying to restore my soul. Say, man, I thought rainbows and, and, and lollipops and all good things. That's what I was going to find when I gave my life to God. Well, rainbows are always the brightest right after a storm. Right after the storm. Right after I finally make it to the other side of whatever God's trying to do in my life. And, and there it is. We've got to be careful not to attribute every storm that comes our way to Satan. Every challenge, every hardship. And we go, oh, the enemy, he's so against me. No, maybe, maybe it's God working for you. Maybe there's a lesson to be learned. Maybe, maybe there's some maturity, like it said in that scripture. Fully restored, growing and maturing in godly character and spirit. Oh God, restore me. Whatever it takes. Whatever was put in me that doesn't belong. And it's been there for a long time. And it's just a part of how I view the world right now. And I don't even realize that it's against your will. Do whatever it takes to, to grind it out. Sand it out. Dig it out. Get it out of me. Restore me. We become reclaimed and restored. <clears throat> but there is a purpose in your restoration. Jesus really isn't into heavenly trophy cases where he fixes us all up and gets us looking pretty and then just sets us on the shelf and stands back and admires, oh, look at, look at what I did. There are times that I've used the reference to an artist a few times that that's, that's the purpose in restoration is, is just to, to showcase the restored product. I like to see things that have been restored in order to be repurposed. I bugged my friend yesterday, um, Pastor Preston Vaughn from Fairmont, Minnesota. He's a better carpenter than I am. The guy does beautiful work, and most of his work is from, from reclaimed wood. So he's taken scrap wood from Camp Galilee, buildings that got torn down, and made beautiful like communion boxes out of them, or, or butcher's blocks. And, and I love the idea that from the very beginning of him taking that, that dirty, ugly piece of wood, there was a purpose in mind. This is going to become that. It's not just going to sit on a shelf somewhere and collect dust. But from the moment Jesus reclaimed us from the muck, he had a purpose in mind. I read a scripture to you from Luke chapter number 5. I'm going to read it again. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. At this point, these guys were not restored. Jesus just crossed paths with these men. He just, he, he stepped onto their ship and said, push out a little ways so that I can turn around and teach the multitude. And they were willing to work with him and they, they took their ship out from shore and he turned around and he taught the multitudes. And then when he was done, he said, okay, now that I'm done doing what I needed to do, go out into the deep water and throw your nets down and you're going to catch a bunch of fish. I said, no, we're not. We've been out there fishing all night. We're not going to catch any fish. 
But if that's what it takes to make you happy, fine. So they go out, they let down their nets, and God miraculously gives them a, a great catch of fish. And so their eyes are open. They realize, okay, we're not just dealing with some guy that was talking to these people. This is, this is the Messiah. And so all of this goes on, and Jesus gives a calling to them. He says, I want you to, I want you to follow me. But he says something in this passage that's very telling. And, and that is, he said, from henceforth, you're going to catch men. From right now, moving forward, your purpose is going to be different than what it was before this moment. They were in the process of being reclaimed. He had not even begun to restore them. Read through the Gospels with a, a realistic viewpoint of the disciples. They did not have it all together. They weren't scholarly individuals. They didn't have the religious, uh, I don't know, clout, whatever you want to say. They weren't the, the top religious picks of the day. And so they, there was a lot of work to be done. I mean, Peter had a big mouth. And most of them were prideful and jockeying for position. We read several times where they're mad and disputing with one another because they think someone in the group's trying to get a leg up over the rest of them. And, and I'm going to be greater than you are. No, you're just a, a bomb. You're a peon. I'm going to be greater than you are. You don't even know who I am. I, and, and there's this disputing going on. And, and God had to work through all of that. And he knew that at some point in time, he was going to leave the earth and he was going to put his kingdom in their hands. And they were going to reach the world and they were going to spread his message of the gospel. And, and they were going to be the ones that, that baptized people in his name. And they were going to be the ones that preached to the Gentiles. And, and from the very beginning, he said, he said, from henceforth, your purpose has changed. You're not going to be what you were anymore. So it is with you. God desires to use everything He's done in your life for His glory. For His glory. He has a ministry in mind for you. His purpose in reclaiming you is twofold. We can't take anything away from the, the very first purpose. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He desires to, for you to be right with Him and to have communion with you. That's, that's reason number one. Reason number two, he loves others and he knows that he can unleash potential through you to reclaim and restore them. And so from the moment he started working in your life, when he started calling you as a child, when he, when he reached into your life as an adult, no matter what your, your history or your origins, your original uh, interaction with Jesus was, from, from that moment on, Jesus is saying, I got, I've got a different purpose for you. From henceforth, you're going, to be, you're going to be used for this. You're going to be used for that. You say, well, I, you know, I've got a lot of problems. Again, look at the disciples. They had a lot of problems too. But the more restoration that took place, the more repurposing that took place. And so when it first started out, Jesus said, come on, I'm going to show you. You're going to have a, you're going to have a different ministry, right? So you're, I'm going to, from henceforth, you're going to catch men. You hold my hand, and I'm going to do it with you. And we're going to, I'm not going to let you out of my sight because you've got some issues and you've got problems. You've got things in your life that you need to work through. And I'm going to restore you. I'm going to help you. But, but right away, you're going to start doing ministry. You're going to start affecting other people. Yes, that's right. And once enough restoration took place, he said, okay, now what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to let you, I want you 
right? You go and you do the ministry. And, he, and he's right there. And that's probably how they did it. and ask Him to work in us and, and do all of these things. He, he went right to work. He reclaimed us. He called us His own. He began to restore and take care of us. And He's still in that process. But while He's doing that, He has a mission and a purpose for us. I'm closing if you can come. I mentioned the prodigal earlier. And the prodigal son, he did a lot of stupid things. But he also did one really smart thing, and that is he made his way back to the father's house. And when we watch this unfold at the end, we see exactly what I'm talking about. Because when the father sees him coming, he runs and he, he embraces him. He quite literally reclaims him. He wraps his arms around him and he, and he expresses joy that he's home. He, he doesn't shun him. He doesn't put him at, at arm's length. He doesn't say, well, you stick around for a while and, and we'll see how this thing works out. We're going to find out if you really changed or not. But he reclaims his son. He wraps his arms around him and he, bra- and he embraces him. But he goes on to do some other things. We know he put a robe on him. That's probably a good thing. Clean him up. He's been in the pig pen. There is some significance to the robe. I don't have time to go into that. But, but the next things he did is he put a ring on his finger and he put shoes on his feet. You say, well, that's weird. Give him some bling and a, and a new set of shoes. No, they were significant because that ring that was placed on his finger was a signet ring. And it, it reestablished him as a son who carried the authority of the father. 
And so he could now go and conduct business. And as long as he had the seal of that ring, it was as if his father was there to do the business. He could act on his father's behalf. And he put shoes on his feet because it was never his intention to just welcome his son in and say, okay, buddy, find a spot on the couch where you're going to put your feet up and not do anything ever again. I'm just so glad you're home. I don't, I don't ever want you out of my sight. I just want you to be close to me. I, I just want you home. You know, he put shoes on his feet because he had every intention of sending him back to the field. He, he reclaimed him. He restored him as a son. But he also reminded him, you, you've still got a purpose here. There's still a calling. There's still something that I have for you to do. So in closing, I just question where we're at in the process. Everybody, it could be different. Where are you in the process? Process of being reclaimed. Kids, I know you're normally in Sunday school and you probably would have much rather be in Sunday school, but you know what? Just, just living in mom and dad's house, that doesn't give you a relationship with God. And so you can be in the process of being reclaimed where God's calling you personally, speaking to you individually, saying, listen, I, I, want, it, I want you to be mine. I want it to be your choice. I, I want you to choose to live for me. I, I'm reaching for you. And there's, there's something that can happen there. Embrace that. Embrace that, that process of being reclaimed. Maybe you're in the process of restoration. I would encourage you today to endure that. Don't short circuit the hand in the work of God because of momentary discomfort. Well, I don't like it. Yeah, but, but it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Scripture talks about our problems as light afflictions that are but only for a moment. Whatever you're going through, whatever the Lord has allowed into your life, it's, it's there to bring about greater restoration. Open up those wounds and let Him work. Let Him minister. Let Him deal with the things that are deep, deep, recessed, way back in the back. Maybe nobody else even knows about the pain that's there. Let Him get rid of it. And finally, if, if you don't feel like you're in either one of those seasons, then you should be in a season of engaging your new purpose with all the passion that you have. Every talent, every ability, every skill, everything that the Lord has, has brought out in you. That beautiful, new, restored masterpiece at whatever level it's at. If you're not currently being worked on, you should currently be utilized. God, use me. You've brought me to this point for a reason, so what is it? Henceforth, what am I supposed to be doing? From this point forward, what is it that you're desiring out of my life? I don't want to just know about it, but God, I want to engage it. I want to, I want to go after it with everything I've got, and I want to be effective. Truth is, every single one of us are somewhere in this process. She begins to play. I'm going to give you time to, to talk to the Lord and pray. The altar's open. Seek after God today. You know where you're at. You know what word has struck a chord in your heart. Oh, Jesus. We've got to have you today, God. I pray that as your word goes forward, it puts us on a collision course with your presence, that your will would be done here right now. Oh,
Work in us, God. Help us, Jesus, to know what it is that you desire from us, what it is we're supposed to be doing. Thank you for the relationship, Lord. There was also purpose when you interacted with me. Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. If it's another trip, Lord, if it's another layer that's got to be removed, that's all right. That's okay. Strip it away, God. Strip it away, Jesus. Follow me all over again. Do another work. Reclaim another soul. Grab a hold of another life. I pray over our children today as they hear this word, that they would know that you desire to minister to them. That you desire to do a work in their life. That you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of them. God, for every adult that's represented here today. Lord, they've had more time for life to inflict more pain and more damage to the psyche, to the emotional makeup, even to the physical body, Lord, as the ailments plague humanity right now. Help us, Jesus. Do a work of restoration. Take out of us those things that don't belong. Fill in every void with things that do belong. Repair, God, every crack, every damage. Restore every attitude, every spirit, every thought process. God, keep working in me until it's until it's complete. Until I step across the other side of glory, God, finally made whole. Continue moving, continue working. But Jesus, if it's more, it's more than Yes, God. Thank you.
Yeah.
Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, 
please go online to fergusunited.org. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you will be automatically notified of our new episodes. Thank you very much, and we hope you have a great week. God bless you.